0: yo what is going on cover seven family welcome back to another episode of the cover seven with mason pierce podcast and in today's episode we've got another interview and this time i'm joined by two-time all-american return man and safety cedric Poole. cedric welcome on to the podcast i appreciate you coming on my guy
1: what's going on man? i appreciate you having me how you doing
0: Doing pretty good, doing pretty good, especially we got you here now, being able to get this interview rolling and everything, you know, watching you a little bit in Frisco. But before we get into all of that, why don't you let the people know a little bit about yourself, you know, where you grew up, how you got into football, and just kind of, you know, the early stages of your childhood and life.
1: Okay, well, I'm originally original from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I got into football at a young age, maybe about the age of five, you know, being very active. being one of those kids that like to play chase, you know, just running around the house, my mom had to give me something to do. And, um, you know, I ended up picking up a football, you know. 20 years later, I'm still doing it, so I must have been pretty good at
0: it. You know? <laughs> I got you. I got you. So, so do you remember, like, when you actually started playing football, was it during Pop Warner, middle school, or high school? Because I know some guys, they start, you know, last year in middle it was school. Pop,
1: it was Pop Warner. It was Pop Warner. It was Warner. Pop Warner. Wow, okay. So- <laughs> Yeah. I got you. So
0: you've been doing it literally since you were like, cause you, cause since I'm you could a remember kid, since baby. yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got I you. Life. So what was it like, you know, growing up playing football down in Alabama? Because obviously, you know, probably better than anyone, it's kind of similar to Texas football and all that, you know, where we take it very serious. So how did that kind of yeah, prepare yeah. you for, you know, your future in this profession?
1: It's just a football state, you know. Everything is football driven. The community, you know, everybody in the community wants to back you. You know, the city wants to back you. So when you have a big football name, you tend to, you know, get a lot of, a lot of people to back your name and back your campaign. But it was, you know, growing up in Birmingham, playing football, we had a lot of, um, a lot of unknown stars, a lot of stars that just didn't get the opportunity. So that was, a, that was one of my main focuses: where to not be one of those guys. To expand the brand and expand that Birmingham did have athletes. So that was my whole thing coming up in Birmingham.
0: Nah, I mean, I absolutely respect that because I know, at least over here in Texas, too, in some of the small towns, a lot of these guys that, are, that should be, you know, with a lot of these quote unquote experts. And I, you know, say that a lot because I don't really believe half these guys know what they're talking about, but, you know, they'll classify a lot of these guys that, are, you know, five star talent wise but they'll, you know, credit them to like two or three stars and they only get a couple offers. So it's cool to know that you tried, you know, to be able to break that stereotype and be able to get yourself out there. Now I want to talk a little bit about your high school days. So uh, what high school in Birmingham did you go to?
1: Uh, I went to Center Point High School. Uh, but it used to be Irwin High School. And my senior year, we ended up getting a brand new high school. And I was first team all-state, first team all-metro
0: first small region man you know, so you were
1: pretty successful yeah. we won 11 and two my senior year
0: dang okay so so did you start gaining any type of attraction and notice from you know like the blue bloods of college football like alabama the georgias did you ever get any type of interest from those guys
1: oh yeah definitely definitely i definitely did um i had a 1.7 million dollars in scholarship office but i didn't um i didn't take the classroom in serious i didn't understand you know that aspect of it i didn't I jumped onto the ACT part late. I didn't take the ACT until uh, December of my senior year. So I was pretty much behind the eight ball. I just didn't uh, inform myself on the things I needed to know to be successful. I just wanted to be more successful on the field.
0: I got you. Yeah, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that at all because, you know, that's just something you take super serious. You love that sport. You've devoted everything to it. And then, you know, ultimately also you got to focus on academics too. But, you know, nothing wrong with this. So you definitely – I mean, talent wise, you were up there, you were noticed, but ultimately grades kind of held you back. So what was kind of your mentality during that time, you know, to keep your head up, keep grinding it out and realize that, hey, I can still make it despite these, you know, early obstacles that are in my path?
1: Uh, It was, it was pretty difficult at first, you know, not really understanding the process um, of becoming going from being a division one off athlete to now I'm, we're talking to junior colleges. And I've never heard of junior college, the junior college program before. And uh, you have schools from Arizona to California to Mississippi, Kansas, everywhere reaching out to you that you've never heard of. So it was a little different for me. Uh, it was a different process.
0: I got you. I got you. So, um, so your high school career is over now. You know, you pretty much know that, hey, I'm going to have to take the JUCO route, which obviously is not an easy path by any means. You know, a lot of times that's, you know, if you really love that sport, you're going to find out during that time in JUCO. So talk to me a little bit about your, you know, first experiences playing JUCO football.
1: My first experience playing JUCO football, I was in Garden City, Kansas. And oh. actually Nick Marshall, Nick Marshall was my starting quarterback. Oh, Tyler shoot. was my starting running back.
0: Okay, so you so you had I mean yeah. talent around yeah, you. Team,
1: yeah, my team was lit. We had Riyadh Jones, we had Rodriguez Cole. We had a lot of guys, you Damn. know, that had big names in college football. And I ended up um, being a freshman, being a typical freshman. I came in. I was one of four freshmen that was playing. We, Tyreek Hill, Devante Derekot, and Dantevius Blair. Those three guys ended up becoming the three the three top players in the country in that position. And I ended up leaving, transferring into a Mississippi Mississippi Delta
0: now, in now Mississippi
1: Junior College.
0: Now Mississippi Delta, they kind of have a track record for for not really being oh, the, yeah. the, the being <laughs> the best necessarily JUCO program. You know, it mostly it, no, I mean, no, you're definitely right. It, it really came to focus on last chance. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but Last Chance. You I did, that, and, that, and those
1: guys after that season, they were on my team. Actually, oh league, really? This season I left, those guys were freshmen when I first got.
0: I, see i was about to ask that question because i knew you weren't on that team because your first year at or no uh yeah yeah your last year i think if i got it correct that's when they filmed that season or something yeah. like that but yeah and i was yeah. i was gonna ask that because i'm like so did you know those guys that were involved in that huge brawl that literally ended yeah, i knew all those guys man. <laughs> <laughs> so what was kind of the reaction because i mean That had to have been kind of like one of those holy shoot! You knocked the team literally that was supposed to be able to make it to a national championship. What was kind of the reaction that they had? You know, your former teammates when that whole thing went down.
1: Uh, just knowing those guys, knowing how scrappy they were, knowing how you know dedicated they were to getting out of their environment. You know, I kind of understood where the scrappiness came from, but the way that it happened, you know, it would it was a better way to handle it. You could have handled it between the lines. So that's what I was trying to reiterate to those guys. You know, you're still trying to get to a big stage and you don't want to leave this as your final example. You know, how you, how you produce your product because whatever's on the, on the back of that Jay Z, you know, is your business. So yeah. this is what you got to think about it at the end of the day.
0: No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I know that definitely, it hurt. I mean, not just Mississippi Delta, but it also hurt a lot of East yeah, Mississippi both guys.
1: Stages, both teams. Because I mean, it's yeah. just,
0: it's just one of those unfortunate things where it doesn't matter who, you know, who's in the wrong, who's in the right, you know, no matter what, people are going to always kind of look at you in a different way. But, you know, it's kind of cool that you actually knew these guys that were involved in it, you know, up close and personal and knowing that, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, a lot of people try to put stereotypes out here that these kids will never learn this and that. It's just more of how bad they want it and how bad they want to be able to get out of, you know playing juco football get up to the next level that's why they play with that type of tenacity so it's kind of cool that you're able to you know just give us some more knowledge about it rather than because you know the average fan we don't know the struggles that you know a lot of times these juco kids go through especially until i mean even before last chance you and all that came out it was kind of not necessarily unknown but we didn't know how bad it really was so um but yeah,
1: yeah it's tough. It's tough.
0: But, yeah, no, I definitely want to also talk a little bit about your JUCO career. So how do you feel personally you performed through your uh, two seasons at the JUCO level, so playing at Garden City and then also playing at Mississippi Delta?
1: So so when I started at Garden City, I was there only for fall camp. Um, I was going into the season. That's when I ended up leaving. When I transferred down to Mississippi Delta, I became ineligible because I had already registered classes in Garden City. Oh, I got you. So my first year of junior college, I didn't play. Um, I just practiced with the team, you know, pretty much learning the system, being with my coaches a lot, you know, just pretty much becoming a student of the game because I was just always so athletic, I didn't really know the game yet. Yeah. So I spent that year, you know, just trying to learn. And the next year, I come in and I got all these power five schools, you know, reaching out. Wanted me to come to camps, and I ended up becoming the first team all-conference in Mississippi also as a punt returner. I want to say I ran back five returns. In a season? season? Yeah, I ran back five.
0: So I mean, you. So you were really making your money, kind of being the Devin Hester of JUCO football, pretty yeah, much. I got Even
1: you. in high school that was that's been my thing. <laughs> special
0: teams. I got you. <laughs> you gotta I got
1: be you. To be on special teams. So
0: hey, yes, sir. But um, so during that season that you did play at Mississippi Delta, do you mind telling me a little bit of some of the schools that were actually you know had some major interest in you?
1: Uh Alabama. Uh, I was talking to Coach Bo Davis at Alabama. Uh, I was Rod Gibson helped me out with Mississippi State.
0: Okay. Um I
1: was talking to Derek Hansley at Kentucky. I was talking to Coach Martinez over at Tennessee. I went to Cincinnati. Um, where should I go? I went to Auburn.
0: So you had every SEC to, school pretty much that yeah, was one. Yeah, yeah,
1: I was moving around man
0: okay okay said i see you so um
1: but i was still, i was still some hours behind in the hole so me i was still ineligible as of leaving junior college, going to a division one being able to play yeah so as i was getting closer to signing day the eligibility was i would have had to take 23 hours in one semester for me to become eligible so yeah. that's where it kind of got tough and i got into a bind as to where would I rather go to this school and sit out again where i I've already sitting out two years or would I just go to a Division two school and play? Yeah. And so I, I came up with that dilemma and I just chose to go to Miles College. That was the um, Division two program one I'm from in Birmingham, Alabama that's been winning. Yeah. So they bring in conference championships in the SIAC and I come in my first year and we're producing another championship.
0: So. Shoot, man, you're you, you jumping ahead. I was about to get to that point. But but anyway, yeah, that's kind of cool that, you know, you wanted to go back home. Obviously, things didn't work out due to just the whole, you know, class issues and everything like that. So you decided, you know, kind of take the same route that we saw, you know, Carlos Thompson take where he, you know, you're, once your clock starts ticking, literally, you you know, you're kind of on a tight frame. And then also, especially with, like, eligibility right. reasons, you don't want to waste like you said, a year just sitting behind, waiting for your opportunity to come up. So what was a, another reason that why you, like, wanted to go back home, play down there in Birmingham, and then play for Miles College? Because obviously, you know, a lot of guys in your situation, they would have just found some type of way to go play D1. But instead, you know, you still counted on yourself and you knew that, hey, I can still make it. So what was kind of your thought process in actually going to Miles over going to, like, Alabama and those schools?
1: Um, Just... Just understanding the process, understanding that what I put into it, you know, I would basically get out of it. Um, but the thing that I would say that I didn't understand was the business aspect of it. It is a business aspect to football, also. You know, they look at coaching. You know, they look at levels of competition, and and a lot of those things I didn't put into aspect when I was making that decision. So I mean, I don't I don't think it hurt my decision because I still performed the way I would perform at any level. You know yeah, if you ask me, but ultimately I didn't make the best business decision.
0: Yeah. What but I mean, honestly though, and you know, we'll talk about it here in a sec. I mean, you still performed like crazy good on the field, and like you know, I said in the intro, two-time all American, and people are probably wondering how the heck you were two-time all American. Well, I'll let you explain that a little bit about how you, you know, were a two-time All-American and literally a season.
1: All right. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, and my, my, I want to say 2016 Miles College, um, I was a cornerback first. When I came in, one of our safeties got hurt. They moved me to safety. I think I catch a pick two games in a row, and now I'm stuck. But like (laughs) I told you before, special teams, that was always, I always wanted to have a ball. I played quarterback all the way up until I actually got ready to leave the Golden Garden City. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to leave the school. Oh, I was I got a quarterback. You. So I was, you know, kind of sport. I really didn't want to transition over to defense. But um, <laughs> it was – I can't really even explain it. I can't really even explain it. It was <laughs> – I can't really even explain it, okay Can you run it back to me again? Yeah, no, you good. I, I was just about to say. I stay on test.
0: Nah, you good, you good, you good. I was just kind of like just letting you, you know, tell the people, you know, how you literally became a two-time All-American during your time, you know, at uh, Miles College because, you know, a lot of times, a lot of the, you know, D2 schools, D3 schools, they don't really get as much attention, but, you know, being an All-American at that level is still super impressive because, once again, you're battling even more schools pretty much at the D2 level, so it's kind of cool to yeah, know that yeah, you right, were Right, right, right. It was kind of cool to know right. that you were, uh, you know, All-American. And not only just in kick returning, you were also an All-American on the defensive side of the football playing. uh Was it safety or corner?
1: I was playing safety. Okay, oh, so you were man. playing
0: safety at the time. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's what I was getting when, I, when they trained this to me over to safety. I, um, you know, I, I always had a net for the ball. So on point return, that was my, you know, that was my lucky down. My down to, you know, get out and reap my benefits for working hard three downs before. I got gotcha. you. And so in my senior year at Miles, every punt return, I want to say I averaged 42. No, I want to say it was 38, 38 and a half yards of return. Dang, And I okay. ran back three of them. So I had to, um, the highest average in the country.
0: That's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's just the whole different breed when it comes to, you know, specialist-wise. And it's also cool to know that you weren't kind of like a Jabril Peppers. I mean, I don't know if you know who Jabril is. But, you yeah, know, same during his
1: Bill, the you know, same type player, exactly.
0: So it's just kind of cool to know that. And also, I mean, you were putting up a ton of production on the de- defensive side of the football because I'm just looking at some of the stats. I mean, you had 60, 60 tackles. Forty nine of those were solo and four interceptions that came with one hundred and forty five yards. So even statistically, I mean, you were balling out. Yeah, so, <laughs> Trying to, man. So uh yeah, was trying to. So once your collegiate career was done, right. And you know, you knew that, Hey, I'm going to have, you know, I I want to do everything I can to get to the next level. What was kind of your mindset Were you wanting to go to the NFL or did you know that you're oh, rich yeah. or did you know, or did you think that you're like, not think, but were you kind of thinking that, Hey, you know, the NFL doesn't work out. I can always go to another alternative professional league.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I, um, NFL is my whole goal from the beginning, from day one. Um, I actually had one more season of eligibility at Miles, but um, we had NFL scouts coming out to practice every day, you know, just getting involved, talking to me. Um, during my junior day, we had a couple teams to come out. Um, I talked to over 25 different agents. So it, it just got hot for me for a little while to where I got excited. And I went on and entered my name. And then when I went through the whole draft process of finding a trainer, you know, I just started learning the business aspect of the game that I, that I didn't know about previously so i started linking up with mike mccoy and you know just the business aspect of it
0: i got you i got you so what, so what was it like kind of going through the whole uh nfl draft process because once again not to kind of you know sound like a broken record but you know a lot of just the normal average fans they don't really know what it's like all the extra stuff that goes into preparing for the nfl draft so if you don't mind just kind of tell us a little bit how that whole draft process went
1: Uh, The draft process was really, it was really fun. It was one of the lifetime opportunities, but it's also really stressful. Um, I want to say a lot of those things that you go through, you can't really prepare for. Um, It's just uh, mental toughness, mental strength, being aware, um, just knowing what you want, being resilient, being two steps ahead, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, just having peers and having people come back down and, um, you know, just pour you with information. So I think once um those people that accept all of those things, those are the people that become successful, you know, through that job process. And with me coming from an HBCU, um I wanna say a lot of people definitely was proud of me, a lot of people was pushing for me, but I didn't have those, you know, those notable names. Yeah, you know that would that would speak out, you know, that meant enough to those guys at the NFL level to just take that word for it.
0: Yeah, no, I got you. And like you said, you know, playing at an HBCU or even just a lower D1 or even, you know, D2 school, it's going to be a lot harder to be able to convince schools that, hey, I can still have the same type of production at the next level. So, um, but no, and it's kind of cool because I didn't even realize that Miles was actually an HBCU because, you know, with guys like Deion Sanders, you know, going to Jackson State, we also just saw Hugh Jackson go over to, uh, I think, Grambling, right? Was it Grambling State you went over to? Yeah, Grambling. Yeah, so I mean, so so we're kind of seeing like a kind of like a reemergence. Yeah, so we're we're literally seeing a reemergence of HBCUs. And I mean, it's a really exciting time in college football because now a lot of these athletes that obviously deserve these opportunities are finally getting their opportunities to be able to get on a huge platform because they're being coached by guys like, you know, Hall of Famers. And like you said, Eddie George and Dion. So but um, during your time at Miles, I mean, we'll get back to the NFL. But during your time at Miles, were there any notable players that you remember playing against that would make it to the next level?
1: Um. Uh yeah, it was it was a lot of notable guys. Um uh, most of them were interior guys like Lyman. I wanna say Albany State had a guy drafted. He was drafted the same year that um that I was coming out. When we played against West Georgia. They had a guy that was drafted, Alec Kamara. I wanna say he's still in the NFL, plays for the Panthers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Played against I played against Tyreek Hill again. Tyreek, one of my former teammates. He played that, with West Alabama.
0: Yeah, that was Cause I, cause I remember when I heard you talking about it when we were talking about your JUCO part. And I was trying to make sure I heard you right, but then I remembered, you know, originally it was at Oklahoma State, then then went down to D, uh, D two, yeah, like you said, West yeah, Alabama. So that's we kind of cool. So you actually, so you actually played a game against uh, Tyreek. Yeah, I did. So, <laughs> so was Tyreek the same Tyreek? Even though it was, uh, you know, college yeah, he was
1: definitely the same Tyreek. <laughs> right now, I would just say he has way better ball skills. See, he was still freakish fast. He was still quick. I mean, he had the moves. He just, I, I wouldn't say he had the route package that he has now. Yeah. now he actually can run any route.
0: Yeah, But I mean, so what was now it? Now he's I mean,
1: even more dangerous.
0: But I mean, even as a safety, because, you know, especially if, you know, your corner gets burnt, you have the responsibility to pick him up and be able to cover him. So what was it like right. playing <laughs> a guy that is arguably a top five wide receiver in the NFL currently?
1: Uh, it was pretty tough, and I was actually playing, and I was playing safety that game, so I was playing it pretty Ooh, much man to man, and I and I had a pretty good, I did a pretty good job on him until um, I want to say it was about a minute and thirty seconds left in the game, yeah, and he caught a he called a bender route, and it, it, you know when yeah, Tyreek catches a bender route, yeah, that, that that's. Killed.
0: Yeah, that's, that's that's to the house. <laughs> that's to the yeah, house. he
1: caught it. He, my linebacker ran into me, and he was gone for about 70 yards. So, yes. they ended up beating us by a touchdown.
0: But, I mean, it's still impressive, though, that you kept your own weight against a guy that's, I don't even know how many times, all pro, pro bowl, you know, uh, yeah, one of the best game, out man. there.
1: <laughs> but, no, that's
0: that's cool, though, because I didn't even realize, I was going to ask a little bit later on if, you know, you played against Tyreek, but that's actually cool that you, you know, went one-on-one literally against him. So yeah. uh, let's actually get back to some of the um, NFL talk. So after the NFL draft happened, you did go undrafted, correct?
1: Right. I, um, I actually got invited into a into, uh camp with the Tennessee Titans. Oh, okay. But as, before they can even send me the rest of my information, my whole recruiting staff was fired. Oh, shoot. So what they did was they brought in a whole new staff who brought in a whole new group of guys. So So once that happened, yeah, I pretty much got washed under the rug.
0: Man, that's – and that's another – I mean, it's just unfortunate because, you know, already going to a D2 school, you know, they don't take you as serious just because of literally just the name. But – and then also doesn't help. When you go through a whole coaching regime and it changes, that really doesn't help because even for NFL starters, a lot of times they'll end up getting traded or cut. And, you know, kind of like in college football, they'll end up transferring out. So – Right. How did you, how did By you kind of, yeah. So how did you kind of just keep yourself mentally strong and, and, you know, not give up? Cause you know, un- unfortunately a lot of times in that position, a lot of guys will just give up and say, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, put the cleats up and everything like that, but you decided to persevere through it. So kind of what, what type of mindset did you keep throughout that whole process?
1: Uh, it was definitely tough. I, um, I had to, you know, just surround myself with a lot of love. I moved there with my sister and my nephews. Uh, I have six nephews, so they kept me very busy and active. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Um, one of my trainers, Mike McCoy, he just, um, he, I want to say he broke me down inside and out. He, You know, he rebuilt me, so he made me to a believer in myself.
0: I got you. I had to
1: just understand that, you know, I can't put a price value on myself. I just got to put in the work.
0: I got you. So, um, put in the put in the so after the whole NFL process and everything went, you know, went down and all that, did you gain any more attention from any other NFL teams besides the Titans?
1: Nah, no, no. After that, it was just, it was basically a dead period. I didn't hear anything. So,
0: so they um, really, so they really just didn't give you a, another chance due to the fact that, you know, just, D two, because I mean, obviously, when you look at stats, you got better stats than most D one guys that get drafted and even tried on. So I mean, obviously, you had that potential. Right. <laughs> so it's and I had
1: pretty good numbers in my pro day, but I that's, that's thirty six I had nineteen reps, two twenty five, and around okay. a four
0: And I was about to say, I was about to say, shooting for a guy that can literally play safety. retirement I and because you know, a lot of times, especially for guys that don't get drafted, a lot of undrafted guys, they want to put them on special teams, and I mean you literally could have just sold like pretty much only played special teams and you would have been fine. So it's right. like, so it's like they missed out on a gym in my opinion. And I'm not saying it to be biased, but I mean, seriously, you know, Right. But um, anyway, so, you know, obviously the NFL really wasn't kind of a question anymore. You knew I was going to need to go focus on another league. So what was the first, I guess you could say, opportunity that came for you after you just like, you knew that, Hey, the NFL is not going to be it right now. I need to go focus on something else.
1: Um, once I realized the NFL wasn't may not have been, you know, a part of my part of my journey right now, I started reaching out to um different teams in the National Arena League, the NAL. Okay. Um the Jacksonville Sharks, the Columbus Lions. I'm just emailing all the player personnel, emailing everybody I could, you know, to be a part of the organization and get into a trial. And I can never get any email, I could never get anything back. But one particular day, um Coach Billy back. I got an email from just out the blue. I'm checking my, I'm actually at a car dealership about to buy a car. And I'm checking my uh, my email the, for the paperwork that the, the car dealers trying to send me. Yeah. And I see Being the bag drop down with a contract and I read the contract and it's the sign of the Cedar Rapids, I want to say Cedar Rapids River Kings or the IFL. Yeah. When I signed with him, I signed the contract with him, but he ended up leaving Cedar Rapids and going to the Carolina Cobras.
0: Oh, okay. So did you so did you actually ever play for um you said Cedar Hill, right? Uh
1: no coach Beck. Billy oh, Beck.
0: Yeah. So did you so ever yeah. well I know I know Coach Beck, he's still he's your current head coach right now with Frisco, yeah, but I he's mean he's our coach now. Yeah, so but uh so when you when he get you when he gave you that contract and everything and then he left, did you ever sign the contract or did you or did he literally leave pretty much simultaneously when he sent the contract?
1: Yes, it happened maybe a couple of days later. So uh, before okay. I even when I send it back before he even was able to submit it, he was like, you know, actually I'm going to this team. Would you mind going here? It's a bit closer to home. So it was Iowa or North Carolina. And coming from Alabama, it was a no brainer for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was about to say. <laughs> I'm like, cor- yeah, I'm going to North Carolina. It's either it's either cornfields or uh beaches. So I mean it it right. you know kind of a no brainer, <laughs> but yeah, no, I got you. So so I kinda how did your first season playing for Carolina, and obviously now you're playing indoor football, whole different ball game, 50-yard field, shorter sideline to sidelines. What was it like? Because obviously you've played 100, you know, pretty, I would almost say normal football, but you've played normal football pretty much your whole career. So what was it like when you first stepped on to an indoor football field?
1: Man, uh, it was fast. I can could, I could just say that. It was, it's maybe two or three times faster than outdoor football. You know, one mistake get you beat in this. You know, one wrong step and get you beat by five yards and five yards can turn into fifteen yards depending on, you know, how fast the guy you're checking on. So it's just real it's real, real attention to detail. You gotta be real attention to detail in every aspect. From alignment to steps to body language to everything that matters. And it's just the same as outdoor, but it has to be recognized a little bit quicker. And yeah. you know, just coming in with Billy as a um as a Ricky, he had a veteran team with Charles McCullum, who's the um, IFL's all-time passing, passer, um, Jordan Jolly, Tyron Laughouse, uh Phillip Barnett, you know, all these big-name receivers. I come in as a rookie, and I don't really have any idea who these guys are, but I'm trying to make a team. So I'm going with them. I'm going every one-on-one rep. I'm trying to go with one of these guys, and I end up making a team. I want to say I was the last person picked to be on the team. Oh, really? But um, yeah. But by the end of the season, I had eleven picks, and I was defensive rookie of the year, and we were getting ready to play in the championship.
0: Shoot, and I was I was just about to get to that, man. I swear you're I mean you're you're going through this like like it's nothing, but no. I mean, your first ever season playing professional football, and you get named defensive rookie of the year, like you said, double digit double digit interceptions. What was it like kind of that momentum finally starting to come back? Because obviously, I know it probably definitely hurt not being able to go to the NFL and everything like that. But now, you, you know, you kind of found your calling in a way, if you want to say. So how did that kind of relift your spirits?
1: It was just um, like the slogan I use, um, Godspeed. It was just Godspeed. I felt like everything was going to happen within God's time. And I couldn't rush it. No matter what level I was on, no matter where I was at, I was going to be able to pre- compete and produce the same way. And I just had to believe it. So at that point, I was just like, you know, I gotta believe in wherever I'm at. I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm gonna keep grinding, so I'm the best.
0: I got you, I got you. So, how many seasons did you actually play for Carolina? Was it just that 2018 season, or did you play numerous seasons with them?
1: I played 2018 and 2019, and both 2018 we um actually went to the championship and won it. In okay. 2019, I was second team all uh, NAL. As a um, kick returner, and we went back to the championship, but we lost.
0: Shoot, so I mean, you were still having majorly productive years, like you said. You know, making second team NAL, and you're during your second year. You know, you were balling out when it came to the return game. So, kind of, you know, were you starting to gain a lot more attention from other teams in you know indoor football, like whether it was with the IFL or the uh, NAO?
1: Nah, surprisingly, I wasn't. Really? Um, for whatever reason. Yeah, I didn't really get any attention anywhere else. Um I also played alongside another great guy, Mike Green. And for whatever reason, you know, it was kinda like a Batman the Robin type of thing where they really did not understand it was Batman the Superman. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> hey That's that's probably the best comparison I've literally ever heard. <laughs> I mean that's yeah. but I mean I, I was but I'm also gonna say too, you literally are the like definition of an underdog, like you put up every stat that you would want for, from a return man, you know, from a from a safety. I mean, but you don't get the recognition they deserve. So, was it like kind of right. you know playing through that underdog type of mentality, knowing that you have to perform at you know the next level every single game?
1: Um, it just it just it's a hunger. It's just a chip that I don't, I don't ever think I would be able to knock off my shoulder. I've won awards all the way down to unsung hero. You know, it's just been a thing I've been dealing with, you know, pretty much through my whole life. But I'm going to always produce. And it may be the issue. Maybe I don't say enough. Maybe I don't, you know, pop it enough. I just want to, I'm one of those guys who just going to show up and go to work, you know. So maybe, maybe I should glorify myself a little bit more or pat myself on the back. But that, you know, that was just never a part of my game.
0: I mean, it's best to be humble, keep your head down and keep working. Cause you know, obviously God, I mean, <laughs> I mean, once again, you know, God will give you your opportunity. I mean, there's a reason why you're on the journey you're going down right now. And I mean, it's just a part of that journey he set for you. So, I mean, it's once again, you've definitely, I mean, you, I mean, you got definitely a super long career I can expect in the, at least in arena football because you've been balling out. So let's kind of go back. So, after you finished playing those two seasons with Carolina, where did you end up heading to? Because obviously, you know, you were going to end up signing with the new team. So what was that new team that you ended up signing with?
1: Uh, I um I left Carolina and I traveled over to Spokane, Washington with the Spokane shot with Coach Beck.
0: Okay. So so you pretty much were kind of one of those players that, you know, you you and a coach are pretty much linked together and you're gonna follow him pretty much wherever he goes. So Next, yeah, th- yeah. so so during that time was Spokane in the uh IFL that they currently are in right now, or were they in the? Yeah, NAL?
1: they were in They were in
0: IFL. Okay. IFL. Okay,
1: so you so it was a transition over to a different type of game.
0: Okay, and that's and that's another question I want to ask. What are some notif- notable differences between the NAL and the uh IFL? Because personally, I just started getting kind of into indoor football this past year. So, what are some notable differences that you felt? You know, obviously being a player
1: uh the ifl honestly to me the ifl is neat i love the ifl it's more outdoor football you know the um the two motions make it a little bit more difficult um actually having running backs makes it a little bit more fun you know makes it a little bit more violent yeah makes it feel more like outdoor you know but an arena arena is also fun but it's more of a your best versus my best every place I got you know, you. it's just one guy motion going against this one other guy and if he wins touchdown So that's why every score is eighty to seventy and (laughs) sixty to fifty, and then you come up to IFL and it's thirty to fourteen, and you're trying to you're trying to understand why because it's football.
0: Yeah, it's it's got a little bit more of that, you know, hundred yard field, not necessarily a fifty, and 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 I need you got
1: to respect more.
0: Yeah, and I didn't even realize there wasn't running backs in NAL because I haven't really watched that much. But that's crazy. I didn't even realize they didn't have running backs. There's so, like
1: 90% pass in the NAL, 90, 95% pass. If they do run it, it's third and one, fourth and one.
0: Oh, I got Just It's one of those like situations. It's, so, yeah. so it's pretty much one of those situations where, you know, Russell Wilson should have ran the ball, but, you know, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but anyway, so um, let's let's talk about present day. So you joined the Frisco Fighters in the 2022 uh, offseason, right? Right,
1: 2022. Okay, so this was your
0: first season playing for pretty much a brand-new team. I mean, they haven't really been existing that long. So what was it like playing for a brand-new franchise yet still, you know, staying under the same head coach?
1: It was pretty cool, just being in a new environment, being in Dallas, Texas, um, having to, you know, kind of get used to the heat. (laughs)
0: <laughs> man hey i'm telling you it's a whole different breed man. when you play a player in texas i'm telling Especially you
1: coming from washington the state. Washington state was pretty cool it was a cool breeze and it was breezy all the time
0: Yeah, and now here it's just
1: hot even the breeze is hot
0: oh oh yeah no it, see, it, when it literally feels like you got a heater coming right at your face if you ever walk into the wind i forgot what it was these past couple weeks man but they've been bad <laughs> i'm talking bad but uh
1: but, but yeah the, um the organization here is, is, you know, it's top tier. Frisco, you know, they're running it the right. The um, the Jermaine family, they're doing everything it takes, you know, to keep this thing up afloat. Um, the capital, where we stay, the capital at Stonebride, you know, they took great care of us this season. I, I was you. very thankful for them also. So, I mean, everything everything is pretty good on this side of the Frisco. I can't lie. We just – the only thing we're missing right now is the trophy.
0: Yeah, I know, I know that definitely was, crazy. you know, being at the game too. I mean, you played, but you know, being there, that was definitely a rough, I mean, rough last yeah, play.
1: Man. Cause
0: I mean, y'all literally were right there. But, you know, it is kind of, you know, a glimpse of hope because now y'all realize, hey, we are the real deal. And, you know, obviously next season, I'm expecting you to be staying with Frisco. You know, y'all be able to right. bounce back, hopefully, and be able to actually go get that chip.
1: Right, and I'm pretty excited. This is only my second year in the IFL. Um, last year in IFA, I was – me and Mike Green, one of my former teammates, we were number one and number two in the league for 10 weeks.
0: Jeez, and so um, yeah. I,
1: endured, I endured a neck injury, and I missed six games after that. So after, after I missed those six games, I pretty much fell off. And after I fell off, you know, again, I flew under the radar. No one really knew about me. No one knew I could cover. No one knew I can. Yeah. I come out this year and now I'm covering everybody.
0: I was about to say so now, cause you you impressed me majorly because I mean, just I mean, simply for the fact that you know you got two guys that are in motion, it look it almost looks identical to kind of Canadian football. I know they only do one, but it almost looks like that pretty much. And being a safety, you've got to be able to instantly read, okay, this corner's gonna get burnt, I've got to pick them up, or you know, hey, I need to probably you know, move over into this zone, that zone, whatever it might be. So I mean, you absolutely balled out. At least, in my opinion, I think you got snubbed from first team IFL. I'm just gonna let that out there. Yeah, definitely, good. <laughs> definitely <laughs> should have been on it. But, but they no. they
1: gotta fit me in somewhere, man. <laughs> hey,
0: you definitely gonna make one of the one. I think is it three teams or two teams?
1: I think it's just two.
0: the uh, hell! I'm if it, if you don't make it in that second team, we. <laughs> We, we got to figure something out, but no, I mean, you're
1: well, gonna have to see me. We'll make something,
0: hey, man. <laughs> hey, they I got you, see me. <laughs> yes, sir. But I mean, seriously, Cedric, I mean, you have one of the most interesting stories because you've, you've proven enough, like you know what I mean. From in terms of what a lot of athletes have done, especially in the college football ranks, you've gone through literally, I mean, hell and back just to get to the point where you're at now. And it's cool to be able to see how you, you know, kept your head down, stayed humble, didn't try, you know, skimming through stuff. You put in the work, put in the hours. And I mean, it's starting to pay off now. You're starting to finally get more recognized for it. And honestly, I can't wait to see what you do in the future, because I feel like, you know, whether it's the XFL coming back in 2023, you know, maybe you get some opportunities doing that. Do you have any interest possibly going to the XFL?
1: I'm um, XFL, USFL, anything. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to go ball. That's
0: hey, it. <laughs> hey, I love to hear it. I love to hear so
1: it. When opportunity comes to come knock, so I'm going to be ready for
0: it. Yes, sir. Also, for all of y'all, if y'all are, if you, you know, kind of curious and wondering a little bit more about Cedric, I'll make sure to leave all of his socials down below, his Instagram, his Twitter, player page, whatever. Make sure y'all go check him out. Absolutely amazing player. And most importantly, an amazing human being. Cedric I appreciate you for coming on today my guy I look forward to watching you this season and I can't wait to see what you do in 2023
1: yes sir I appreciate you godspeed
0: yes sir all right make sure y'all go check out my guy Cedric I'm telling you remember the name